0: Welcome to the Table Podcast. We hope what you hear today inspires joy in your heart and causes you to be convinced that God is good and He is for you. Enjoy the message. So, y'all, buckle up, all right? Let's have some fun. If it's cringy, just give your neighbor an elbow and we're just going to get into it. But there's no, I, I was thinking about it, I was like, man, it's not fair for me to stand up here and talk to you guys about all these different relational aspects without letting y'all in to a little bit of my story. All right, y'all are still trying to, we're still trying to get to know each other a little bit. It's been six or seven months at this point since Morgan and I moved here. And so um, I'm gonna give y'all, and and who knows, three to five minutes, I'm gonna give y'all my entire relational history. Is that fair? Is that fair? Because I want you guys to know and hear from me the ways that I've blown it, the ways that I was wrong, the ways that I thought things were that weren't, and, and just my confusion and the whole mess of it all. And so, as I was thinking back on my dating history, it was in the fifth grade where I... Yes, we're going back to the fifth grade. It was in the fifth grade where I had what I've uh, heard some other people call the day of epiphany. The day of epiphany. And the day of epiphany is where... For a guy, girls go from annoying, don't want anything to do with them to, oh, I think I want one of those. All right? The day of epiphany is when your eyes are opened up and, and guys are like, oh, like, she's actually not annoying. I, like, she's cute. Like, I want to get to know that girl. And so the day of epiphany for me, I was in the fifth grade. I remember it like it was yesterday. It's pathetic. I was at home. I started kind of having a crush on this girl. She, was, she played soccer. She was sporty. I, I was sporty. I, I played basketball, and, and she had you know, blonde hair. And I was like, oh, she's, like, she's kind of cute. Like we could play sports together. Like This could be so fun. And, and uh, my eyes were open to it. And, and I remember I was in my kitchen with my mom, and I, she was on the phone. And I got out a pen and a notepad, and I wrote, and I said, mom, comma, is it okay for me to like girls, question mark? Like, I, I was so confused. I was like, I didn't like them before. Now all of a sudden, like, I have a crush on this girl. Like, what do I do with it? I was, I was kind of having a meltdown moment. And, and my mom, she looked at it. She, she said on the phone. She was like, I'm sorry, I got to go. She hung up. And, and we had a conversation about me having a crush for the first time. And so I did what every mature, young Fifth grade boy does. I started playing footsies with her in science class. (laughs) I'm talking like, there is no way this girl isn't digging me because, you know, my little flirty kicks. And and I took it as far as, you know, having her friend ask her out for me. Like, that was my first relationship. And, and, you know, it it lasted a few weeks. And then I was like, well, we can't ever hang out outside of science class. So I don't think this is going to work out. So that was the day of epiphany uh, for me. And then... Fast forward to uh, really sixth grade. Sixth grade, before I met Morgan, my lovely, amazing wife, I have to admit, I peaked in sixth grade. <laughs> sixth grade was my year. I'm talking, I dated, close your ears, Morgan. I dated the two most attractive sixth grade girls this my sixth grade year. All right. I was feeling, not at the same time, not at the same time, but <laughs> two different times. And I was feeling myself, y'all. I had no self-confidence at all, but somehow I was dating these two sixth grade Hotties and I thought that I was running the world and it was amazing and and one of them gave me an Abercrombie and Fitch uh, Blue sweatshirt I remember it and like a thing of cologne and you know like sixth grade boys love cologne uh, For no reason at all um, And so that's hey neither one worked out and I'm glad they didn't but sixth grade my peaked And then I hit middle school. I'm giving y'all the whole spectrum here. All right, so y'all buckle up I hit middle school and looking back I call it my, my time to work on myself, you know? Like, I'm starting to hit, you know, teenage years, and I just needed some time to figure myself out. Um, translation, I was way too scared to ask a girl to go to the movies with me. And so all of middle school was a dud for me. Um, I, I didn't date anybody. I, I didn't have, well, I had a crush all through kind of seventh and eighth grade that eventually um, I kind of conjured up the, the, um, boldness to ask her out my ninth grade year. And so ninth grade, I asked this girl out. We go to the ninth grade dance together. Everything's feeling good. We're liking each other, it's awesome. Um, We start dating, you know, in ninth grade, 15, 14, 15, feeling really good, feeling confident about this one. Um, She was indeed my first kiss. So sorry, Morgan, but 15 years old, whatever, ninth grade. And I remember I liked her so much I was thinking about this today. This is ridiculous. Within a week, all right, within one, within seven days, I told her I loved her. All right. And by week two, she had kissed one of my good friends. And so, uh, yes, I got cheated on in the ninth grade by a girl that I was in love with. And um, it obviously that didn't end well. And and we broke up and 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 who knows where she is these days. Bless her. Uh, I'm sure she's doing great. But Transition into looking back, what I call um, kind of my season of, well, I, I just didn't have any interest. I, I'd rather play Call of Duty and hang out with my buddies than talk to girls. I'm just calling it what it was. I have mixed emotions looking back on that season of my life. It was, it was probably not what I should have been doing, but I just played a lot of, a lot of Xbox with my buddies, played a lot of basketball, and, and girls just, I'm getting some fist bumps in the back. They're like, yeah, amen. Um, Girls just weren't really like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I got cheated on in ninth grade. I do not want to mess with women. The worst. Um, heartbroken. And so, uh, you know, I spent a couple of years chilling, got through high school pretty unscathed in terms of some of the like, you know, just some of the, the hard things that we can go through in high school relationships I just didn't really deal with. And then getting to college, completely overwhelmed. I went to the University of Alabama. Roll Tide, massive school. I'm like an 18-year-old boy, you know, like I'm 6'5", but I can barely shave. And here I step into this university campus where I'm like, these are some grown women. Like, I'm no longer hanging out with my buddies playing Xbox. Like, I'm embracing a whole new world of grown women, and I was scared out of my mind. So I stayed away for a while because that's what, you know, I guess that was what I did. Um, sophomore year, ended up dating a girl that I liked. I thought she was, she was great. You know, I, I, At this time in my life, I'm starting to really follow Jesus, starting really to desire the things of God. And, and she had faith, and we had fun. So uh, I thought, let's, I'm going to date her. I have to share this story. This is awful, y'all. And I, I may laugh, but it's not because I want to. Um, just know that beforehand. So I'm dating this girl, and I realize that I don't want to be with her anymore. At a time, oh, that was terrible. I <laughs> it was the summer after my sophomore year. I worked at a Christian camp called Pine Cove. Yeah, all right, I got some Pine Cove folks in the house. Let's go. At Pine Cove, as a counselor, we have our phone for 24 hours out of the whole week. All right, so for six days, we are nonstop with our campers. We're hanging out. We're loving on these students. It's amazing, the best place in the world, but I only have my phone every 24 hours, or one, one, one 24 hours out of a whole week. And so we were dating at a time, and we had talked before I went to camp. She had already bought flights to come visit me. She lived in Georgia. I lived in Texas. And so she had plans to come see me. Well, I get a couple weeks into working at camp, and I just realized, like, uh-uh, like, this ain't, this ain't for me, but I only have my phone. Y'all, y'all, y'all get the point. And so and finally it hits me. I'm like, I have to call her. I have to break up with her or she's going to come and I'm going to have to fake it for a week. It's going to be awful. And so I, I, I find my Saturday that I'm going to do it. I turn my phone on. The first text I get, it was like the Thursday. So it was a couple days before I had my phone. Thursday, like, she texts me like, hey, like, I can't wait for you to get your phone back. Like my grandmother is really sick. Again, I'm not trying to laugh. You're not laughing. I'm not laughing. And she said, my grandmother's always sick. I just can't wait to talk to you about it. It's like, okay, okay. You know, another text pops up from that morning, from Saturday morning. She goes, hey, like, you know, I, I think you get your phone back today. As soon as you do, please call me. Like, my grandmother passed away this morning. And I was about to break up with her. And so I'm, ha- I'm in a tailspin, y'all. And I am thinking to myself, this is possibly the worst thing you can do to a human being. You can break up with her the same day her grandmother passes away. And I did. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's one of those, like, like I-, I only have my phone for 24 hours. I thought I was, I had foresight. I didn't want her to come visit me and it'd be awful. And so her grandmother passes away. I called her, and I said, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, before we really get into it, there's something I've got to tell you. And I dumped her. And it was one of those, like, all right, bye. Like, hung up immediately. And I, I, I go about my weekend, whatever. I'm like, I feel awful, but I'm just like, I had to do it, right? I don't need all this affirmation. This is a long time ago, but I felt like I had to do it. And so I, I remember some of the things were like, the next week, when I get my phone back a week later, I got one of those texts of like, hey, like, I'm really praying for you. One of those like, I think you're a horrible person and I'm praying for you. And <laughs> like, God needs to do something in your life because you're an awful human type of text. And so that was just the worst. Um, again, scarred me for another couple years. And I just, at this point, I was like, man, I don't know if if me and, if me and girls are like, going to work. You know, I was like, this is, this is not going well. And then get to senior year of college, um, and start to seriously, I, I found a girl that I liked. And I, so I started to date her, um, and, and things were going really well. Like it was one of those relationships where it was like, man, she really loves Jesus. And I really love Jesus. And our friends kind of, you know, put us together like, Oh, y'all both love Jesus. Like on paper, it made more sense than anything. And so for six, seven, eight, nine months, man, I just tried to force it. And she is an amazing, Morgan actually knows her. She's an amazing girl. And I just like, like sometimes you can both love Jesus and it's not your person. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Don't get me wrong. We will talk about it. I'm excited. But man, I just for six, seven months, I tried forcing it and forcing it and forcing it. And finally I was like, man, this just isn't, this isn't it. And I had to learn so much in that process and I'm so grateful for that relationship because there's no way I would have appre- appreciated exactly what Morgan and I have if it wasn't for going through those six, seven, eight, nine months of trying to figure it out when then I met Morgan and I didn't have to figure anything out because it was easy and normal and natural. And so when I decided to go to East Asia for a year after college, that's when I knew I had to break up with this girl. I broke up with her. Oh, going into my year of East Asia, I knew it was going to be a small team, all right? I knew it was just going to be a few of us, About there was a dozen of us. And I and the guy, like, I absolutely hate, especially back then, hated. Attention when it comes to relationships like I'm trying to figure it out. I'm an overthinker. I get in my head so quick Like I don't want people watching me do that <laughs> Like I don't like people like commentating on my getting in my headness like it was awful And so I just remember thinking like I'm going into this year. There's a zero percent chance like a negative 100% chance I get into a relationship this year like no, I don't want that small team pressure I don't want that attention and of course, a few months into that, voila, I meet my lovely bride. We start dating um, in China, and it was weird. It was really weird. We had some weird dates, and, but it was, it was awesome. And we got to know each other, and man, like, I can't wait to share with you guys in a few weeks, but man, like we had a pretty hard dating and engagement season, and so... I won't, I won't share all the details, but I can't wait just for you guys to know, like, it's not all, like, what the bachelor wants to make it look like with, you know, dates of, with helicopters over Bali and, and all these curated things. Like, that's not real life. And I think y'all know that. But dating's hard. And to do dating the way that glorifies and honors God is tough. But I promise you it's worth it. And it's worth it, and I can tell you from experience that it's worth it. Like, I had never, what attracted me the most about Morgan, more than anything that I'd ever been attracted to in any other woman, was watching her love on people. Like, yes, I think she's, like, the most beautiful girl in the world, but that isn't what, like, really drew me into her. What drew me into was watching her love people watching her disciple people, watching the fruit of the Spirit alive in her life. And I was like, man, I want some of that. And it worked out. And I'm so grateful. We came back from China. We moved to Texas for six months, got engaged. Um, and six months later, we got married. And then two and a half years later, here we are. And so that is my full scope from the day of epiphany in fifth grade until two and a half years married um, Started there, and here we are. Whatever they say on Twitter, uh, we've made it, and I'm so grateful for where we are. But, man, like, dating is complicated, and dating is confusing. And if I'm, like, honest with you guys, I hated dating. Maybe some of y'all hear the word dating, and, like, you're already stressed out. Maybe some of y'all hear dating, and you're like, heck, yeah, this is awesome. I love talking about this. But, hey, for me personally, I hated dating. I wasn't good at it. I couldn't play the game. I didn't know, like, how often do I text? Do I not text? Do I call? Like, do I FaceTime? You know, am I supposed to slide into her DMs? Like, how often do I communicate? Like, do I take her on dates? Do I not? I did not like the mental game that came with dating. It wore me out. The thing is, nobody ever really, like, took me under their wing and taught me how to date. I do believe as a Christian, there's more of a blueprint to dating than we think. I think that we see the way that the world plays games. We see, like, the, dating in the world is like a moving target. It's like one day, this is cool, and this is the way you do it, and the next day, it's, that's not in anymore. You have to do it this way. And I'm telling you, man, as Christians, there is a better way. There's a better way to go about it. There's a better way to get to know people and that you are interested in potentially becoming your person. And so over the next six weeks, I'm so excited to dive into some of those things with you guys. But, man, I, I also know, and, and as I was praying earlier for y'all and praying about this series, I, 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 I think this area of our life, I think dating, relationships, sex, I think this topic has potential to be the most shameful topic for a lot of us. I think it has the ability to... to remind us of a lot of pain. Uh, I think that this topic is really can be uncomfortable and and some of us have been so hurt and we feel beaten and battered along the way and and, and we're just not even sure what this looks like. And so if that's you tonight, I just want you to know that you are in good company. I just want you to know that this is a place for you and that if you ever hear anything in this series that sounds harsh or sounds like I'm trying to like, sound holier than now, than I promise that's not my heart. I want you to know that this is a safe place and that like, there's a lot of sexual shame that I have that I've had to deal with in my life. And I want to go there. Like, I want to be able to go there with you guys because I think y'all need to be able to go there with each other because there's no way to find true healing if everything always stays un- in the darkness. And we all have, every single one of us, <laughs> has some sort of sexual shame. I know it because we're human. And the enemy, like this is, I feel like the biggest target he puts on our back is distorting and perverting dating and relationships and sex. And, and we see culture and we, see, we hear songs and we watch TV shows. And it seems like it, some things are glorified that like, therefore, we should pursue those things, and then we do them, and we're like, that doesn't feel right. So it's confusing, and it's hard. And so I want to be as clear as possible in this series, because um, I believe that culture has confused the mess out of us when it comes to relationships and sex. I believe that we're confused. I, myself, man, I was so confused. <laughs> Literally, I told Morgan this, so I was like, this is like, absolutely and horrifically embarrassing to share i was in college and i was so unsure of how to like really initiate a conversation with a girl and like how to get them to like figure out where they were at i was watching how i met your mother for advice (laughs) if anybody's ever seen how much your mother ted and barney are not the right people to get relationship advice from and i promise you i was I was so lost. I was like, I gotta. I love you, but like, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me talk to a girl. And, and I, I, that's where I was seeking advice from. And I promise you, there is a much better way. There is a much better way. And I wish that somebody, when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, I wish somebody would have really taken me under their wing and taught me how to do it. There's a level of intentionality and there's a level of purpose that you can have in dating that I just simply didn't know. And so my hope, my heart for you guys is that over the next six weeks, you feel a little bit more encouraged. You feel a little bit more equipped to step out of this church bubble, step into the broken, messy world and be able to walk out in confidence who God has called you to be and have purpose with every single one of your relationships. So that's my heart, my hope for you guys. Um, I want to start with, with a few statistics about... Dating, a few cultural statistics of why this is important Um, because some of these statistics are staggering and to be quite honest, heartbreaking. And and so, we have to know where we are, we have to know what's going on around us in order to know the problem that's at hand. But statistics show um, that 90% of you, 90% of people in the room, 90% of people want to get married. Okay, so there's 10% out there that feel a call to singleness. And that's awesome. Paul was single. Jesus was single. Like there is a biblical category for singleness. But statistics also show that 90% want to be married. Not only that, 80% of Americans over the age of 25 have been or currently are married. 80% over 25. That's, that was a lot higher number than I was expecting. So there is a good chance that in your 20s, you will be married. And that may seem so daunting. And so I want you to feel equipped to step into that. And I just thought this was interesting. In the 1990s, the average man was married at 26. The average woman was married at 23. All right, 1990s, not that long ago. We're not talking about like the 1800s. This isn't that long ago. And today, this was a few years ago. The average man is married at 29, and the average woman is married at 27. And so we're getting married later. I don't, I don't want you to think that, like, I, I believe that's just, like, some super big, massive deal, but I think there are probably some reasons why we're getting married later that aren't healthy. And first off, before I get there, there's a statistic that absolutely blew my mind, and it's heartbreaking the average woman in America has a baby at 26 years old. The average woman in America gets married at 27 years old. That's having a baby before you're married. And what that means is that little boys and little girls are growing up, some of, a lot of them not knowing their daddy. If you want to talk about the biggest issues in America, don't talk to me about politics. Talk to me about fatherlessness. We need dads. We need moms. And when the average American woman is having a baby before she's married, that means something's off. And again, the heart of this message isn't to shame you. The heart of this message, and, and some of us in this room have this type of situation and you're in the right place there should be no greater place for healing and for redemption than with Jesus but these are this just the statistics and I want us to be aware of them Um, some of the reasons real fast why a lot of people think our generation is getting married later is first off the fear of divorce so many of us in this room, some people that we know have seen our parents get divorced, 50 percent, 50 percent rate of divorce. And so we see our parents get divorced. So we think, I, I, I don't want my marriage to end in divorce. So I think it prolongs us getting married. People are choosing career over marriage. I think especially millennial, Gen Z generation, like we are we live in a hyper individualistic mindset. That like society and culture around us is, is pushing for you to be you and you to figure yourself out before you get married, and that's not really the point. If that was the point, I definitely wouldn't be married because I am still a mess in a lot of ways. And so I think, with choosing career over marriage, I think that, oh gosh, dating apps have made just the pool of people to meet almost endless. And at one point in history, that wasn't the case. I can't remember the number, but there was like a, a number that's like 30 percent of people married somebody that lived within a five block radius of them. In other words, it's like you're around the same age as me and, and we grew up together like let's just get married. You know, like we don't have to have it all perfectly figured out yet. And so there's just almost too many people and we're having this paralysis analysis thing where we, there's so many choices we don't know what to do with it. Uh, A pastor, Ben Stewart, a lot of y'all may know who he is. A lot of statistics I took from his book, by the way. And he quoted, he said this, he said, As long as fear, lust, and pride are in the driver's seat, the culture will be speeding away from healthy love. As long as fear, lust, and pride are driving our relationships, man, we're going to have a really hard time succeeding and winning when God has given us a better way. God has given us a better way, and it is clear that the modern method of dating isn't working. And so for one second, I want you all to go on a, a weird little journey with me. I know this analogy may seem weird, but imagine for a second, all right, you're Nick Cage, you're Nicholas Cage, all right, and you found out that there's a treasure map in West Monroe. Yeah, I'm going there. National treasure, people, where you at? All right, all right, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's the worst, but you also love it. Um You found there's a a treasure map in West Monroe, all right? And you can find this treasure if you can find the map. And so you start searching all around, and eventually you find this treasure map. And so you open up, you're super excited, man, I can't wait to get rich off this thing. You open it up, and you realize that the map is in Chinese. You can't read it. The map leads you to treasure, but it's so confusing. It's not the language that you speak, and so you can't read the map, and so there's no way for you to find the treasure. You're at, it's a lost cause. It's not possible. Thankfully for you and for me on this journey, we do end up finding a map that is in English. English. And we can read it and we find where the treasure is. And although it's not an easy journey to find the treasure, we at least have some sort of route to take. There's some directions to take. There's some some things to look out for, some things, some guardrails to keep us along the way. There is a road to find the treasure. And as silly as that may sound, I believe that culture is giving us a map that is a 0% chance you will find the treasure. But God's word. If we submit in our obedience to the word of God, there is a map that leads us to the treasure of an amazing, healthy, intimate marriage one day. I think so many of us want that. 90% of us want that. And so, man, Proverbs 31.10 says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. The treasure of a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship, is worth all the gold in the world. There is a map that God is giving us to help find that treasure, and it won't be easy. It will be tough. It's a journey, but at least we can find a way to get to the treasure. Because, y'all, we speak a different language than the world. doesn't make us better than the world, but we have an eternal home. We have a different language, a different purpose, a different way to get about the goals and desires of our heart because we follow God's way. We speak a different language in the world. And so we have the opportunity to find this treasure. And so I want to spend the remainder of our time just talking briefly about God's original design for relationships, sex, And marriage. Genesis 2, 18, if you have your Bibles. Genesis 2 18. Before we get there, just a super quick again, we a lot of us we all know the narrative creation story of Genesis 1, but I think there's some things I have to point out before we get to Genesis 2 for it to really sink in, for it to really make sense to us. And so at the very beginning of the Bible, the Bible tells us that the earth was void, it was empty, there was nothing. And so at this point, God did what God does, and he started creating. God created light. He created land. He created animals. He created plants. He created everything, and he said, this is good. This is good. I love this. This brings me honor. This is a masterpiece. This is good. But the climax of the creation story, the climax of the creation narrative, is when God made us. So God made humans. Genesis 1:26 and 27 says that God made us in his image. Every single human that has breath in their lungs has a, a different level of value and dignity and worth than any other creation out there. Like every single one of you are more valuable than a tree or a dog. And I think we know these things, but we have to know that we are the very climax of the creation story. God created us for relationship with him. He created us to be his representatives on earth. We have such a specific calling on our life just by being human. You are worthy. You have value beyond anything you can imagine. Nobody gets to determine your value other than God because God created you. And so wherever you are in your story, I need you to know that before we get into any sort of dating talk, you need to know that you have value. You are worthy. There is honor placed on you simply because you're human. Simply because you are Imago Dei. You are made in the image of God. And we hear that sometimes and we don't really know what that means. We don't fully believe it. And I'm I'm just praying that you would sit in that in this series that you are made in the image of God. At the end of Genesis 1, it says this. It said, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So it went from good when it was just the earth and the land and the light and all these things, and then after he put man on the earth, it was very good. God loved what he made. It was beautiful in his sight. But at this point, it's only man. It's only Adam. There's no woman yet. And that's significant because jumping in to... Uh, Verse 18, Genesis 2 says this: It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So, the first chapter and a half, the first chapter and a half of Genesis, everything is good or very good. And this is the first time in the Bible that God says, Uh-oh, that's not good. And I mean, he's created mosquitoes. He's created gnats. He's created spiders. All these crawling things on the ground, and none of those were not good. But it is not good for man to be alone. God looked down and he sees Adam, and he says, "This isn't. This isn't how it's supposed to be. There's a better way." And if we can be real for a minute, I think we all know that man should not be alone. All right. I know my dudes in the house know we should not be alone. If any of you have ever been to a guy's apartment who lives by himself, you better have hoped you lost your sense of smell from COVID because it's going to stink. We stink. We, we overthink. We, we like watching grown men hit grown men on television. We do things that we shouldn't do. Like we are kind of a mess on our own and we need help. We need help. And God in His kindness Gives man a helper. And before all the ladies in the house cause an uproar and and come and try and drag me out, can I I just want to tell you what this word actually means, the word helper. Because in our language, in the way that we process the word helper, it does not sound like it's kind of the same status as man, right? Like if I have a helper, it doesn't sound like they're the same status as me. And so we don't fully embrace what this word means. But I want to break it down for you real quick. The word helper here in the original Hebrew is ezer. And ezer means help, one who helps or rendering aid. Here's what I want you to know about this word. God uses this word to describe himself and how he helps Israel in the book of Hosea. God uses this very term, Ezra, to describe himself. So it is not a term of inferiority. Guys, you need to hear that. Girls, you need to hear that. This word is not a word of, hey, you're my little helper. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. This is a word of equal worth, equal dignity, equal value, some different roles. All right? God saw that Adam was alone, and that was not good. He needed a helper. He needed somebody suitable for him. So let's read the rest, of this, the rest of this chapter, Genesis 2, 19 through 23. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I think this is really interesting because, like, at this point, Adam has an opportunity. For, he has all he has exposure to every single animal in creation. All right? So it's like, man, this dude can, like, ride giraffes. He can, like swim with dolphins and, and all of these like majestic creatures that we're in awe of. They're beautiful, they're divine, but it says Adam, none of them were suitable to be Adam's helper. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. The man said, this is Now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I love the NLT version of this where it says that Adam says, at last, the man exclaimed. God puts all these other creatures in front of Adam. None of them satisfy the loneliness that he feels. But as soon as he lays eyes It's like that day of epiphany for me in fifth grade. As soon as he lays eyes on Eve, he goes, at last, that's my girl. At last. It's like he breaks out into joyous song. It's like my dudes in here when they get a first date with a girl they're really excited about. You know the feeling. Adam's having this feeling. He's like, at last, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is my person. It's really... Honestly, quite beautiful. There's a a Jewish traditional saying says this. It says, God made woman not out of man's foot to be under him nor out of his head to be over him but she was taken from under his arm that he might protect her and from next to his heart that he might love her. I love that. In the day and age that we live in, I think we're tempted to to put one sex over or under the other and we don't know how we're supposed to do it. If, if we say the wrong thing, the feminists will be mad at us. If we say the wrong thing, then, then dudes will, will think we're crazy, like we're, we're stuck in this weird place. But God makes it really simple. We're the same. And woman was given to man so that man could protect her and love her. And woman was given to man to make us better. I'm such a better human being than I was two and a half years ago. And that's because of my wife. And it's not her nagging at me. It's not her calling out all my blind spots, which she did literally like two days ago. Um, I remember. Um, but it's just the way that she lives and the way that she challenges me to be a better person than I am, to, to love people more than I do, to step into moments with the Spirit more than I do. And, and like, if I was left to myself, I wouldn't do those things. It's a beautiful design. We need each other. We not only need each other in marriage, we need each other as friends. We need to learn from one another. We need to understand one another because God created both of us in his image and we cannot fully understand who God is without understanding both man and female. There's aspects of God that Morgan sees that I don't. There's aspects of God I see that she doesn't. It's a beautiful design that God has made for his glory and for our good. So I'm gonna wrap up with this. Verse 24 and 25 says that, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now this is a verse that, if I'm being completely honest, at every wedding I go to and there's like a Bible or something like, write your favorite verse. I always write this because I think I'm funny. The man and woman were naked and they felt no shame. But this is actually one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. Because yes, this absolutely is talking about physical nakedness, but he's also talking about emotional nakedness about mental nakedness, about being fully yourself with no shame of who you are. This is the level of intimacy that Adam and Eve had. This is the the level of intimacy that God designed for us to have in marriage, that God designed for man and woman to have in marriage. It's a level of intimacy that we don't understand because we're on the other side of the fall. We're on the other side of sin infiltrating the world and we're on the other side of sin infiltrating our lives and we can't know this type of intimacy because we experience sin and shame in our lives. So it's almost as if every single, as we move forward in relationship, as we grow, as we go from dating to uh, engage to marry and as we grow old together, it's like as we grow this way, we're actually going back the beginning, we're trying to recapture that original design that God has, that you can be fully known, fully, no skeletons in the closet, no secrets, nothing to hide from, fully 100% known and fully 100% loved. And what's incredible about this design is it only points to God's love for us. Nothing I've talked about tonight, the treasure of, of having a godly spouse, none of that is possible if you're not a godly person. It's not. But this is the type of love modeled through Adam and Eve that God has for you. God fully sees you. God fully knows everything about you. He knows the wicked thoughts that you have. He knows everything that you've done, everything that you said. And he proved how much he loved you by sending Jesus to the cross. And if you ever aspire to have this treasure, to have this gift of a godly marriage, it doesn't come until you have a godly, until you are a godly person. And Jesus says tonight, I've died so that you can be. Redemption is possible through the blood of Jesus. Redemption is possible for you, for your past, and it's possible for your relationships. But we will never have this amazing relationship apart from Christ. You know, I, I talk about this idea of the treasure. Proverbs talks about a godly spouse is a treasure, but y'all, the ultimate treasure is Jesus. The ultimate treasure, whether you go the rest of your life single, whether you have a desire to be married and it just never happens, the ultimate treasure is knowing Jesus. You can't be an amazing husband an amazing wife unless you know him. I'm a terrible husband unless I spend time with God. And I'm a pastor. Unless I wake up early, I spend time in the word of God and I pray and I journal my thoughts and my emotions, I'm a crappy husband. I'm selfish. I'm not looking out for Morgan's best interest, but when I sit before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I allow him to work in my heart, I can be a decent husband because Jesus is in me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. At The Table, we are discovering Jesus together. If you were encouraged by today's message, do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast. That way you never miss out on future episodes. Also, help us get the word out by sharing this podcast on your preferred social media platform. To keep up on what's happening in our community, you can follow us on Facebook at The Table or on Instagram at the TheTableCCLA.